the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I mean, so we have special communication operative in the book of Revelation. Now, if you don't believe in angels, then you won't get far in the book of Revelation. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today on Reaching Your Heart, we will conclude the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the first installment in the Revelation series. We hope that you continue to enjoy that series. It is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Previous messages are archived there along with the actual live broadcast at the time it happens. And we hope that you'll join us. Again, remember that phone number. It's 888-244-HOPE. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. Now, salient question here. Here's the salient question. If it's all about one seven-year period at the end of time, then what about this week, this day, this hour, my struggle with God right now? I mean, people talk about that time of trouble is coming. Antichrist will come. You know, there'll be this terrible secret rapture they talk about, which is not in the Bible. It's simply fantasy. The Bible says in Revelation 1-7, you don't get far in the book of Revelation. For the book of Revelation says, Behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him, and all the nations of the earth will mourn because of him. It will be a global event. It will be as lightning, Jesus says, moves from the east and shines to the west. There's no such thing as a secret rapture in Scripture. There are no two days of the Lord. There's only one day. And when Christ comes back, he's not eloping with his church. He's coming in the glory of his Father to receive his saints in the resurrection and to receive them alive. I mean, so it's incompatible with Scripture. And so the salient question is here. If it's all about the future, about one tribulation week in the future, then what about this week? What about this year? What about the trouble of the Middle Ages? What about the trouble of times in which we live? Doesn't God care about that? Dear heart, the book of Revelation is about things that happen now and tomorrow. It is a revelation of Jesus' care and God's deep concern for you personally every day of your life to the end of time. It embraces the church universal. There are seven churches in Revelation because seven is the word for completeness. It embraces the church from the beginning of the apostolic age to the end of the age. Preterism and futurism proclaim a morally impotent God who doesn't care enough to be the God of history. And we happen to live in history. Jesus told his disciples, Lo, I am with you. What did he say? Always to the end of the age. The historical view of prophecy, which is the right view, the third one, 
is the apostolic understanding of Bible prophecy. It's not the popular view, but it's the right one. It was held by the early Christian fathers who resisted the early apostasy in the Christian church predicted by the prophet Daniel. They studied Daniel. They saw it coming. They prepared for it. It was the understanding of many Christian martyrs in the Middle Ages who knew that Jesus was with them in the flames of martyrdom as they died for the living Christ. And the men and women who died to translate and give us the Bible at the latter end of the Middle Ages were largely encouraged by the historical understanding of the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. Dear heart, prophecy is history with Jesus in it. It held these people close to God, and it will hold you close to God too. It is His story, history, all the way down the timeline of a troubled history to the end of time. Jesus is with us every day. History is his story as the potentate of time and the ruler of the kings of the earth. This is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Revelation is a revelation of history, sure enough. But it is his story worked out for your personal life through time. The book of Revelation talks about the time of the end and the hour of God's judgment that happens at the time of the end. No doubt. But it also begins with a revelation that will soon take place. The time of the end is in the future, sure enough, in the book of Revelation. But the last days are inaugurated by the coming of the Son of God. And so it begins with a holy urgency that the coming is near. The book is a guidebook for the Christian church throughout every troubled age, all the way down to the end of time. Now, if the preterist view of prophecy is true, then God doesn't care about his people in time after the day of the original prophet. God is kind of stuck in the past, unable to interact with the future. If the futurist view of prophecy is true, God doesn't care about his people in time either because he's only concerned with the end. The historical view of prophecy is the moral view and the right view. Because it agrees with the gospel that God cares about you every single day of your life. That he cares about the church in every age. That his guiding power is with his people to the end. The Jesus of the gospels is an everyday Jesus. Did you hear me? Christ of the gospels is an everyday savior. And the prophecies are meant for every day and for the last day. And prophecy must agree with the gospel to be its proof. You see, there is a moral purpose for prophecy. And if you miss the moral purpose of prophecy, you do not understand it. Neither of these two views, which fought the concept of righteousness by faith in the latter part of the Counter-Reformation, are possible as moral in the plan of God. They cannot support the truth of the gospel. Only the historical view of prophecy is moral. In the book of Revelation, Jesus sent his angel to John. Revelation 22.16 affirms this fact. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with the testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Now, In the book of Daniel, the angel that is closely tied to Jesus Christ is Gabriel. Gabriel appeared to John the Baptist's father and Mary just before Jesus was born. Gabriel told John's father that he stands in the presence of God. I mean, so we have special communication operative in the book of Revelation. Now, if you don't believe in angels, then you won't get far in the book of Revelation. Did you hear me? If you don't believe in angels, forget it. The book is full of them. 
I mean, this world, according to the book of Revelation, is busy with angelic intervention. In the book of Revelation, God sends angels to warn, to protect, and deliver his people. How many of you want to protect yourself in these last days? I don't. I mean, there are angels here today helping me with my inadequate speech and encouraging me and you to understand who Jesus is with our dull senses. Thank goodness for angels. They live to reveal Jesus Christ to us through the Word of God. And sometimes through dreams and special revelation too, they have spoken in history. Should we not live for the same reason that angels live? To share Jesus with others? I mean, that's what they come from holy realms of light to do here in this dark world. To illumine the life. To draw people to Christ. Should we not be in the business of sharing Jesus like they do? Finally, the angel gave the revelation to John, who wrote it down, thank goodness. I'm glad he wrote the book of Revelation. Verse 2. John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Now, a true prophet bears witness to two things according to this verse. And let's look at them. Number one, a true prophet is true to the word of God. True prophets don't come up with something that overturns the Bible. I hear so many people running around today. I mean, we live in an age when people claim to be prophets. You go on the television, so I had a prophetic insight from God. I go to some churches, I God gave me a prophetic insight. I hear so many people running around today saying that they have a rhema revelation from God. You ever hear that? A rhema word was revealed to me. And then they contradict the Bible in attitude and fact. I mean, they act like their revelation from God is the straight pipeline truth, and they're not interacting with the Scriptures. Well, God is not going to reveal rhema anything to you that is at variance with the Ten Commandments spoken at Mount Sinai, or the Torah given to Moses, or the prophets of the Old Testament and the apostles who wrote the New Testament. I mean, if you claim to have a rhema word from God and it doesn't line up with the Bible, you have nothing from God. John is not ashamed to say at the very beginning that he is a Bible-believing Christian even before the New Testament was canonized in the 4th century. He says, I believe in the Word of God. I affirm the Scriptures. I'm not even going to start this journey of telling you what I saw without affirming the authority of the Bible. John unabashedly bore witness to the Word of God before he bore witness to what he saw as personal testimony. Now, if you study the book of Revelation, you will deepen in your understanding of the whole Bible and you will see Jesus in the whole Bible. So number one, a true prophet bears witness to the word of God, the Bible. And you might want to say a true church does exactly the same thing. A true church bears witness to the word of God, the Bible. Number two, a true prophet declares the testimony of Jesus. I mean, there are a lot of folks out there, maybe you've seen them, I have too. Talk about the Bible, but they can't bring themselves to speak of Jesus. Now, friends, I'll tell you, I'm grateful I have a Bible. I'm grateful I can study it. But I'm grateful for the theme of the Bible. I'm grateful for the person who is the hero within it for Jesus. Number two, a true prophet declares the testimony of Jesus. Look at verse two again. John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Now, two things are obvious here. First, a true prophet doesn't speak for himself or herself. He speaks for God. He honors the Bible. A true prophet is communicating what Jesus told them, being an angel, or what they heard from Jesus himself. And it doesn't have to just come in words. 
Jesus speaks with pictures and words in the book of Revelation. John says, even to all that he saw, gestalt imagery, flashes of visions, understanding, The mind is interacting with the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit in a very special way. Great stuff going on in the life of the prophet. There's a tender tie between Jesus and his prophets. I mean, you look at the history of the Old Testament, they went through grief. I mean, if someone was called to be a prophet in the Old Testament, it almost certainly meant a death sentence or a life of misery. You better take them seriously. The kind of lives the apostles and prophets lived, the sacrifice they gave. Only one of Jesus' apostles died a natural death. The rest were martyred. I mean, men who destined for death to give witness to Jesus. And when you study the life of the prophets, who would want to be a prophet? I wouldn't want to be a prophet. You know, people today are so quick to take the mantle of the prophet upon them and claim they have a rhema from God when they don't have anything from God. The book of Revelation teaches that there will be a remnant of Christians at the end who are just like John in their commitment to God's word and the prophecies that John gave. There will be a prophetic movement that lives like John, that is enamored with Jesus as John the beloved disciple was. The book of Revelation predicts that there will be a remnant subset of the Christian church, a remnant that is left over from a church that has gone south, that has left its first love for Jesus Christ. And this remnant, like John, will hold to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ on the eve of the mark of the beast and through the mark of the beast. John was one man. But at the end of time, men and women will hold together in faith who hold to the book of Revelation, its central teaching, and they will affect the world on a global scale in the mark of the beast struggle. Revelation 12, 17 describes this this attack upon this group. It occurs just as we come into the mark of the beast setting at the end. And the dragon was angry with the woman. And he went off to make war on the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what is the testimony of Jesus that John bore witness to? What is the testimony of Jesus that motivates the devil to anger against God's people at the end? Revelation 19.10 tells us, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. Here he is trying to worship the angel. He's so beautiful. But he said to me, You must not do that. I mean, here's an angel saying, Don't worship me. Yet there are churches that are saying, You can worship a saint. You can worship an archangel. And yet we find the book of Revelation saying, Don't do it. I mean, we live in a day when religious culture is at odds with God's word. The angel told him, don't do it. You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Friend, Jesus is glued to Bible prophecy. If you're talking about prophecy and you don't get Jesus in it, you don't understand prophecy or Jesus either. And if you're talking about Jesus and you deny prophecy is important for the church, you're actually denying that Jesus is in the church. And let me take it a little further here and meddle a bit, okay? Why not? If you talk about the Holy Spirit all the time and you don't have much room for Jesus in your talk and faith time, you don't have the Holy Spirit either. The spirit of prophecy is the Holy Spirit's action in prophecy. And the Spirit of God points to Jesus. Jesus was very clear that when He comes, He will not speak of Himself. 
And so much of what we call Holy Spirit movements today have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit because the Spirit that is in these movements are not pointing to Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus. Plainly stated, that's what it is. The Spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. There's only one hero in the Christian age, and it's not the Holy Spirit, as important as He is. The hero... The hero the Spirit loves is the divine Son of God who hung on the cross for you and me. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you. And you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Well, we will continue with the conclusion to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Today's Reaching Your Heart, a part of the Revelation series. The Spirit would have it no other way, and we don't need to be at war with the Holy Spirit of God in the Christian church. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In Revelation 1, verse 1, the Revised Standard Version reads that Jesus made it known by sending His angel. The translated phrase, made it known, is a little lame in the Revised Standard Version. The King James Version is a little closer to the original Greek. It reads, He signified it by His angels. We heard in our scripture reading this morning. Now the Greek word for signified is semino, and it means to give a sign. He put it into signs. The exact Greek expression is found one place in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel. In Daniel 2, this word is used in the context of symbolic Bible prophecy. A metal man appears in a dream to Nebuchadnezzar of gold, silver, brass, and iron, representing four world kingdom eras all the way down to the end when God's kingdom takes the place of the world kingdom system. So when you signify something... You put it into symbols and signs to make it known. That's why the Greek translator in Daniel 2 used the very same Greek word we have here in Revelation 1. And if you don't study your entire Bible, you won't find out what the symbol is about. In fact, you'll get lost in the imagery and you'll just not get it. It takes the whole Bible to unlock and understand the symbols in the book of Revelation. And if you have no stomach for Jesus and you don't like studying your Bible, you won't understand prophecy either. And you won't understand the revelation of Jesus. In our series in the book of Revelation, which we are now beginning, we're going to leave the newspapers and the commentaries and the philosophers out of the pulpit. We're not going to use them. We will use history when it applies, but we will not use external sources as proof for symbols in the book of Revelation. All the symbols are in the Bible, and we will unlock them together on our knees seeking Jesus. I'm not in a hurry on this series. I want to take my time. There is so much good stuff in Revelation 1 and 2 about Jesus. We're going to savor it as we move through it to get to end time events. The revelation of Jesus Christ, does it really matter today? I ask the question, does it matter? Yes, it does. Revelation 1, 3, blessed is he who reads aloud the words of the prophecy and blessed are those who hear and he who keeps what is written therein for the time is near. You know, the word blessed means happy. Do you want to be a happy Christian or a miserable Christian? I want to be a happy Christian. 
Not a miserable Christian. Now, we can have trouble in our life as Christians. But it says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Do you want to overcome the era of grief and the age of negativism with optimism and buoyance in your life? Yes or no? I do. Do you want happiness in your heart and life that can get through troubled times so that when you face difficulties, you don't say, well, I had a rotten time, but rather I had a God-sent time and hope is on the horizon. I ask the question directly today. Do you really want to be happy? Well, if you do, you need the book of Revelation. John says, blessed are those who read aloud the book of Revelation. When I read the book, I find a lot of trouble on earth in it described. It's very clearly there. Woe to you who dwell upon the earth. But I find a lot of rejoicing in heaven. Rejoice ye that dwell therein. Angels sing because the devil is defeated by the cross of Christ. The four living creatures sing a new song because the Lamb has conquered the evil one. The four and twenty elders praise God. They throw their crowns down before the Lamb who is worthy to open the scroll with seven seals. Large multitudes sing and praise God because salvation belongs to God and to the Lamb. You know, many people think that they own it, that somehow they work it out. It belongs to God and the Lamb. They sing about salvation. A study of the book of Revelation will change the way we worship here. It'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you sing. And it will change the way you see Jesus. It will take you from grief to grace. It will move you from fear to faith. It will lift you from silence to song. Revelation 1.3, Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written therein, for the time is near. Three blessings are clearly outlined here. First, when you read aloud, you're blessed. Secondly, when you hear the words, you're blessed. And finally, the third blessing, when you do what it says, you are really blessed. The book of Revelation has an ethical claim on your life because Jesus has a claim to you. It will change your life if you start the journey and don't look back with unbelief. You cannot interact with an honest heart with the revelation of Jesus Christ and not be changed inside your heart by Him. You cannot be the same person if you come face to face with Jesus who is revealed therein. The sinful self that wants to master you must surrender to the sinless Savior who loves you. The life that has no Lord must bow down to the Lord of life who lives for you. And the knees that never been must kneel and confess that Jesus is Lord for you. Blessed are those who keep the things that are written herein, who hold on to Jesus. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, to show to his servants what must soon take place. We need it every day, because we need Jesus every day. When I was a teenager, I lost my father when I was 15. Many of you know that. Dad's death left a vacuum in my life that was profound. I started my journey as a Christian with a great loss. I knew my dad two months. I became a Christian just after he died. And I started my journey at the age of 15 just wondering why God does what he does. Why he doesn't use power more efficiently to stop us from grieving. I was a new Christian. I had a high blood pressure for two years. 160 over 120, 115. They told me I was a walking time bomb. It was just simply stress from my inability to figure out why I'd lost my father. And at times I bungled it now and then as I was trying to grow up into Christ. There were these false voices trying to draw me away from Jesus. Sometimes I listened to them, sometimes I didn't. But I found the book of Revelation to be a source of answers. As a new Christian, I wanted to know if my dad would live again. I wanted to know if evil would win in the end or God would defeat it for good. 
I wanted to know if God would be my father and Jesus my brother and the awful vacuum of my father's death and the great controversy of my own life. As I studied the book, I came to understand that Jesus is very near to me and Jesus is my friend. I heard him speaking to me from this book. I discovered that Jesus has the right picture of God that I need for my life and growth. I found it there. And I know there's a future. Because I've studied, I've seen Jesus in the book. Because Jesus is the future. Jesus is the present meaningful day in the book of Revelation. I'd like to end this morning with Jesus' words that mean so much to me. Right here in Revelation 1. Look at verse 17. When I saw him, John writes, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand upon me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Do you want to live forever? Fall down as a dead man. Fall down on your knees and see Jesus on your knees. That's what John did. The revelation of Jesus Christ only comes on your knees. Dismiss fear for the vision of the revelation of Jesus Christ. On your knees, broken, alone. On your knees, you may feel dead, but on your knees, when you look up, you will see the face of Jesus. And in the revelation of Jesus Christ, you will live forever. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. Jesus was very clear. And Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That will conclude a message Pastor Mike entitles The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a part of the Revelation series and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Again, a reminder, you can visit us at the church for the worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock. We'd love to have you there. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.